Hello and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club, the place investors go to gain actionable advice, learn about current market trends, and hear war stories from other professional investors out there in the field today. Before we get started, I have two quick housekeeping items to cover. First, if you like the episode, we would very much appreciate a like, subscribe, and share. It is the best way to support the show and keep it running. Second, if you are a new investor looking to get started in real estate or an experienced investor looking to take your investing to the next level, we created an ebook for you that will cover how to find deals that are actually deals, how to finance those deals with little to no money down, and how to exit those deals for maximum value. On top of that, I throw in an insane amount of free bonuses that you'll have access to once you buy the ebook. All we charge is our admin cost to keep the show running. So, if you're serious about real estate investing and want to create both active and passive income as an investor, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com and click on the button that says get the ebook to grab yourself a copy today. So with that said, let's dive right in. Today we have a very special guest with us ready to drop some investor knowledge on you. So buckle up, grab your pen and paper and enjoy the ride. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today we have Daniel Weisfield with us. Daniel is co-founder of Three Pillar Communities, a real estate investment firm providing high-quality manufactured housing communities that residents are proud to call home. Three Pillar Communities is a top 50 owner of manufactured housing communities in the United States. And as of January 2021, they operate 33 mobile home parks in five states serving over 8,000 residents. Daniel holds a JD MBA from Yale and previously worked at McKinsey and the U.S. State Department. His professional aspiration is to increase the supply of affordable housing, build great homes and attractive neighborhoods, and conserve natural resources while delivering compelling risk-adjusted returns to investors. And on top of that, Daniel is one of the few people that I have actually done business with in the real world on the show. And I'm so well, almost business. I, I've sent many deals to Daniel and he's a, <laughs> he's a very, as he says, he's very good at investing. So he knows his numbers. Uh, Daniel, I'm super happy to have you on the show. How are you? I'm thrilled to be here, Gabe. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so as I said before the show, we always start with stories. Uh, so why don't you take us back to the beginning? I don't even think I know your story. So how'd you get started in real estate and how'd you get from point A to point B? Okay, I will, um, I'm going to rewind in history. We're going to jump on a time machine uh, and go back to uh, 1931. Ooh, wow. All right, all right. Yeah, we're going to get on the time work. When my, my grandfather was born on a chicken farm um, in British Palestine, which later became Israel. Okay. Um, and he grew up and he fought in like four wars, helped establish the state of Israel, was like fight, you know, as a farm boy, he was running a chicken farm and he wanted an opportunity. You know, he, he, too much war, not enough economic opportunity. So he immigrated to Seattle uh, huh. in 68. And I think, you know, you're from the Seattle area, right, Gabe? Is that yep, still where yep. you live? And actually, I want to jump in. I, I try not to jump into people's stories. but No, I'm please jump in. Why Seattle? What? I mean, all of the U.S., why did he choose? So to- his sister, my great aunt, Dita, um, worked as a flight attendant in Israel, and she fell in love with an American guy, Frank, who worked at Boeing in Seattle. Uh, so she came to Seattle first. Yeah. Love and they helped, you know, like many immigrant stories, they kind of helped the family kind of make their way. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So my grandfather showed up in Seattle with, you know, 
the story is a suitcase and one hundred dollars in my pocket, <laughs> and, and my mom and my aunt had two little girls and my grandmother, and um, they first rented a house in Ballard, and he needed to make a living, so he started buying wrecked cars um, at the junkyard and fixing oh, them wow. up and selling them. And event, the reason I'm telling this whole story is eventually saved up enough money to uh, rent a garage, and then he bought a garage, and then he bought a mobile home park around 1980, um, and was a really hands-on operator. I used to help him in the summer, you know, mow the lawn, paint the fence, take out the trash, do that kind of stuff. Um, he saved more money, and he bought another one. And so slowly, my family, in a really entrepreneurial, mom-and-pop kind of way, built a small portfolio of mobile home parks in the Northwest. Oh, wow. Um, so I had some family background in that space. And then it's not what I thought I wanted to do when I grew up, right? I did, as a kid, I wasn't dreaming of being a, a trailer park investor. <laughs> I had other aspirations. I wanted to change the world, is what I thought. So I went, I worked as a US diplomat doing foreign policy. Um, I got a law degree. I got an MBA. I worked in the corporate world. I had a chance to do a lot of things. Um, and I realized about four years ago that Actually, mobile home parks is a really good business in a really good way to change the world. You can actually change people's lives in a really positive way by providing good housing. And it's like a recession-proof business and economically a really good business to be in. So in 2017, I took all my prior life experience and my family's track record in the space, and I started Three Filling Communities with my business partner. Wow, man, that uh, that is an awesome story. Mostly, I mean, the way that your, your, your parents' story is very quintessential American coming over to America, starting putting roots down, flipping cars to begin with. That had to have yeah. been a hard, uh, a hard yeah. business to go into, and yeah. then eventually ending up in mobile home parks. That's uh, that's pretty cool. We're like the most patriotic people ever. <laughs> we love America. I mean, it, it certainly got its problems. Right, the democratic experiment is is not complete. We still need to keep fighting for equality and freedom um, and equal opportunity, but man, you can't beat this country in terms of opportunity and the ability to come here with nothing and really, you know, build serious wealth and make an impact just through entrepreneurship. I don't, I don't know any other place where it's so possible. Yep. No, I uh, couldn't agree with you more, although I haven't lived anywhere else, so I can't really have that strong of an opinion. Um, but Hey, I'm glad to be here and I'm glad that, that we're here talking about mobile, mobile home parks. So you've mentioned two th reasons why you really liked mobile home parks. And, you know, both of us actually are, th that is our niche. That's what we invest in. So I feel like we, yeah. we can really dig out some gems for people listening and watching. Um, so go into why, why you like the asset class of mobile home parks itself. What about mobile home parks are really like really brought you into the space? I think probably three or four factors. Number one, there is massive demand for affordable housing in this country. And that is only growing if you look at kind of the, the wealth disparity in this country. So massive demand for affordable housing and not enough supply, right? So that's like kind of the most basic thing we look for in a business. Lots of demand, not enough supply. And that's what we see in mobile home parks. Um, so I don't know what your experience has been with your parks, but for us with our parks in the Western US, we're basically like zero vacancy all the time. Occasionally we have vacancies, like if we buy a turnaround park, but once we get it full, like we're basically full all the time. And even in economic shocks like COVID or the 08-09 recession, our parks stay full and tenants keep paying rent. So that's number one. Number two, the fact that our tenants are homeowners, right? They own their home and we own the land underneath and they pay us a lot rent every month. And I love that because number one, 
it's really good for our tenants, right? They get they have an ownership mindset. They actually get to own an asset and build wealth and kind of you know customize their homes. It's really good for the tenants. And for us as landlords, it means we have very sticky, stable tenants who are bought in, they have skin in the game, they keep paying rent. So that's kind of the, the second reason is the home ownership piece. Um, and the third piece is around operational intensity. Um, we do a lot of work to buy our parks, improve our parks, clean up common areas, bring in new homes. So it is not a passive business, but I really like that the tenants own their own homes. So if you know a light bulb goes out or a toilet gets clogged, they're not calling us to go fix it, right? That That is the, everything inside the four walls of the home is, is the tenant's responsibility. And that's something I really like. Cool. Yep. No, I, I mean, that's uh, that's what I liked about it too. So you said supply demand. I mean, the supply demand curve is kind of in our favor in, when it comes to mobile home park owners, because there just isn't enough affordable housing out there, which is, I think is absolutely yeah. true. Um, and then the homeowner, homeowner, they have, they, they own their actual home. So they are, there's a little bit more buy-in from their end mm-hmm. versus a multifamily where people, they don't own it. So they, they don't really cherish it as much as uh, a mobile home park owner or exactly. mobile home park tenant. Um, and then you said the operational intensity, which I mean, it's, uh, that's time value headache is, is the way that a lot of people say to look at, um, investments and the, the headache is a lot less once you really stabilize mobile home parks. So I like that. Um, so let's get, How you, you, Gabe, you're, you're a mobile home park investor. What did I miss? What are the uh, other reasons you love the asset class? <laughs> um, I mean, if I'm thinking about it, well, you, you hit most of it, um, I haven't I haven't had a ton of experience in uh, in stick builts. I've built I've bought a few multifamily and single family. And the main thing that I really didn't like about that asset class, I mean, I I really like real estate in general. I think it's an awesome career path to choose. I was like you. I had no idea. I was not coming into real estate. That was not my goal. Um, but I ended up here, and I'm really glad I landed here. Um, but I mean. With that said, multifamily, having to fix toilets and fix roofs and all the different operational issues. Um, if you don't have just a, a, a property manager who just knocks it out of the park and you know can can bid out projects very well, um, it can be it can be a headache. Uh, and I feel like that is for me for mobile home parks. That's one of the main things that drive me to it um, from the from the owner side. From the tenant side, I mean. I am 100% agree with you that there just isn't enough supply or there isn't a, enough supply of affordable housing in the US today um especially here in Seattle it's just it's just way too expensive to rent just a normal one bed two bed uh, apartment and so mobile home parks are the answer they are a great answer to that kind of a uh, problem um but yeah I'm going to get off my soapbox because <laughs> that's my take on it cool. uh but I want to hear a little bit more from your perspective. So, um, so when you go and you, I mean, you have 33 mobile home parks, mm-hmm. you have a lot more experience than I do. So, um, what is it that you look for when you, I know, I think I know a little bit about your opinion here, but what do you look for when you, um, analyze mobile home parks? What are the main elements that you're, uh, that you're interested in? Good question. So, the first thing I care about is market, market, okay. location, location, location. And I think, you know, location, location, location is the first three rules in real estate. Um, but people sometimes forget that and they fall in love with the mobile home park asset class and the mobile home park story. And they get, you know, there's a lot of 
literature online and people all want to become mobile home park investors and mobile home university. So people kind of get caught up in mobile home park investing and they forget the first three rules of real estate, which is location, location, location. And so people push out to really marginal markets where you have, you know, tiny MSA, negative population growth, um, real, potentially really low income where you might be dealing with kind of certain demographic issues. Um, and they just fall in love with, Hey, I'm going to buy a park and it's, you know, 30% occupancy and I'm buying it at a 10 cap and I get a crazy return. Well, it's probably 30% occupancy at a 10 cap for a reason, right? There might be a reason for that. And so like the first thing, like we have a, you know, there are all sorts of strategies out there and there are people who are doing really well and doing right by their tenants, making a lot of money buying broken parks and broken markets. So it is a strategy. Um, but we have preferred to focus on strong markets where affordable housing demand really exceeds supply. Yep. So that we know that if we, we buy a park, it's always going to be full. And if we have a tenant who leaves or dies or something like that, we've got a long waiting list waiting to fill in. That, that, is, that is our preference for our strategy. Yep. Um, so then once we're in a good market, we like the market, we are super flexible in terms of deal criteria. Like we'll do beautiful class A parks. We'll pay premium for them. We'll do class B kind of middle of the road parks. We'll do really ugly class C parks and buy them and turn them around and fix them up and make them a place our residents are proud of. You know, we'll do, we love city water, city sewer, but we'll do private utilities like well and septic. So we're, we're pretty kind of, once we're comfortable with the market, we try and analyze deal by deal, what makes sense from a risk return perspective. Yep. No, that makes complete sense. And I really, uh, I kind of associated with what you said earlier. Um, it is, especially when you get into a new asset class and you're learning it and you're trying to, you know, you're getting new leads come in. And you really just want to close one. Like you're you're in, you're you're doing it, but you're not seeing any results yet. You just want something to close. And so it's really easy to go back on your criteria and buy something that's under an MSA that's a hundred thousand or more. Um, and I think, I mean, I'm with you. I think that's that can spell disaster if your if your business model does not take into account that type of um, that type of MSA. If you're if you're just wanting to buy something and you buy, say, a six or an eight cap in the middle of nowhere here in, uh, in Washington state that can, that can kind of take you down. Um, so I, I really, I connected with what you said there. Um, but it is easy. It's easy to fall in love with this asset class once you get things moving. Yeah. Um, and it's really competitive. I've found to, uh, to get, you know, parks under contract. Me, Absolutely. You, um, Daniel knows, uh, me and my partners, we have quite a system built out to, to bring parks in, um, but I'm curious, Daniel. You've, I mean, you've seen a, a few of our wholesale deals. How else do you find uh, do you find deals? Do you have a marketing strategy behind your behind that, or is it mostly through relationships? So, first of all, I take my hat off to you and your partners. You guys are deal machines. I mean, you <laughs> guys, you. I mean, you guys are just out there like sourcing nonstop. I mean, I, I kind of feel like you've got like a the factory assembly line, of, like you know, a huge funnel of sourcing deals, cold calling. I don't know what you guys are doing, but every time <laughs> I talk to you, you've sourced like five more off-market mobile home parks. So you, whatever you're doing, you're doing right. Um, thank you, thank you. And that's, it's a whole lot more than what I'm doing. Um, I'd say, you know, I'd say maybe you're at a, I mean, I don't know, but I think you and your partner's at a point where you, you decide to get into the asset class, you started, you know, kick off the business. And so your first push was, outbound marketing to try and source off-market deals. Yeah. Um, whereas at this point, we our business is a little more mature, right? I have 33 parks in five states. I have 50 employees, you know, 8,000 residents. Um, so I don't have time in the day to do outbound calls, <laughs> right? Um, maybe I could hire an analyst to do that. But at this point, you know, we're 
so busy running a company that we're pretty reliant on relationships to bring us deals, whether that's brokers, whether it's wholesalers, whether it's fellow owners. So I am mostly waiting for inbound deal flow. And I'd say luckily we're at a point where we've established a great reputation in the market. People know we're, you know, we're deal closers. We show up, we're going to close a deal. We're not going to retrade. And once we buy it, we operate it really well. Um, and we're well capitalized. So we've kind of, we've gotten that reputation out there. And so thankfully we have enough inbound deal flow to keep us more than busy. Yep. Yep. Uh, that's a, that is an enviable, enviable position to be in. So I, I love it. We, um, we, man, we, we clawed it out. We, we had, we had, we had to like, you know, the first year or two in the business, it was like begging brokers to show us deals, <laughs> trying to like, you know, talk a big game and say, we're really qualified to close it. Even though we weren't, we didn't know what the heck we were talking about. Um, you know, the first year or two was really a struggle to prove our credibility. And mm-hmm. thankfully we've kind of, we've climbed that curve. I think we've gotten to a point where we're seen as credible and we're getting those inbound deals. Yep. Yep. No, I love it. I mean, yeah. Starting a business, any business, I don't want to say real estate is the only one, but uh, just starting a business, it's like, it's going uphill for the first while you get, once you get that momentum, then it's, then it's nice, but you really got to slug it out in the beginning. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've mentioned, I mean, you guys are already operations is really what you're, you're mastering right now. That's kind of where your, um, your focus and your energy is getting your business to work, like just perfectly work, work without any hiccups. Um, so kind of how, take us into the operations of, uh, of how you run your parks. What's the first thing you do when you, when you take on a new park? So let me tell you my kind of philosophy on this and I'll tell you the first thing we do. So our whole business strategy is to acquire parks in order to hold them forever. Yeah. Right. We're not flippers. We don't have a five-year fund or a 10-year fund life. All of our investors know that. They're entrusting their money with Daniel and my partner, Yoel, so we can go buy parks and hold them for 50 years, right? And harvest cash flow forever and pass them on to our kids. That's the plan. So for us, operations is super important, right? Like we, we want to we wanna, we wanna manage these parks like long-term owners. And yep. that is good for our residents because we invest back into the communities. And, it's, and we think economically in the long-term will be good for us. Um, and I also, so my philosophy is how do I build like, a great enduring company, right? We're not just collecting assets, right? Well, I'm, I'm building a real company here. And like, I look at great companies like you know, Southwest Airlines or Amazon or other companies that have a very distinctive culture. And I think, how do I build a company like that? My employees are stoked to go to work, feel totally bought into the mission, have an owner's mindset. And we have a strong culture with values. So people know how to behave and what decision to make when they're you know, talking to Joe Tennant about the motorcycle on their lawn, right? I want my employees to know what decision to make without asking because they know what our values are. Um, so that's really my nice. big project this year in 2021, Get, making sure that culture is strong and percolates down to our employees, all, all the way down to our, you know, our maintenance tanks. Um, and so to answer your question directly about what's the first thing we do when we buy a park, um, I mean, first is all the work of due diligence and financing and all the hard stuff to get a deal done. But I say on the day of closing, um, we kind of have a playbook that we run. Um, we think about the business in three or four different areas. The first thing is safety and compliance, you know, safety first. Um, the next thing for us is profitability. So looking at vacancies and revenue and the cost side. Um, the third piece is resident relations. And the fourth piece is physical assets. And so kind of, I look at the park kind of through those four different lenses and we create a business plan and we implement a business plan. 
Awesome. And I'm, uh, if anybody's watching the video, I'm actually sitting here scribbling down notes because this is, uh, this is gold. This guy has a lot of experience. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> take everyone it's worth free advice. It's only worth what you paid for it. But yeah, and, and Gabe, I'm happy to catch up with you offline or any of your other listeners. If anyone wants to talk to me more about our operations playbook, I'm happy to kind of go into more detail on that kind of in another yep. setting. No, I love it. And I love that uh, safety, um, safety compliance comes first because that really is, I mean, that's the most important thing, um, especially Absolutely. with mobile home parks. There are some, uh, some interesting issues that we found um, that, tend, that you know, sellers have with their parks. Some of yeah. these mom and pops have just kind of been hanging out there. Um, yeah. Daniel actually saw one of our deals. I'm not going to name specifics, but it was a, a very re- relatively large park that just had so many issues. The electrical was, was wrong. The plumbing was Orangeburg piping, which is not a good type of piping and all this stuff. So, um, yeah. fixing that safety and compliance. I like that. That's the, the number one thing that you guys focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, and shoot, man, that, that already brings us to the point we're at the 20 minute mark. So I got to push us into the quick question round. You, uh, you ready to move on? Yeah. Is this, should I do it? Is this like lightning round style? You just try to bounce it out quick. Uh, I mean, originally that was the idea, but it has never played out that way. So just answer it how you please. Okay. Um, starts out with books because I'm a big bookie. So why don't you tell me your number one uh, real estate book and then your number one general life wisdom book? I don't think I've ever read a real estate book. Okay. I read like fiction and history. I want to be imaginative, right? I want to be creative. That's, that's the stuff I want to learn about. I like um, it. Number one life advice book. Um, okay, I'm going to go here with my religious bias here. I, my partner and I are both observant Jews, so we're really into like our holy book, and that's where I get a lot of wisdom. Nope, that's great. But that uh, many people answer that way, so I love it. Um, so, give me your number one history book, and not not real estate. Your number one. History All right, I'll give you the most recent history book. This past weekend, I was on my wedding anniversary with my mm-hmm. wife. We went away for the weekend, oh, and wow. the place we stayed had um, the Kern County Centennial Yearbook. Kern County was California, which is Bakersfield is, was established in like 1855. They put together a centennial committee in 1955 and published a kind of a retrospective on 100 years of history. Such a fascinating document for two <laughs> reasons. One is historically to understand the history of Kern County in terms of the oil boom, the outlaw history, cattle, citrus, how water and irrigation changed like, the nature of that place. Secondly, and not just the history, but the historiography, which is the, the study of how history is told. Look at how this 1955 all-white, all-male group of people like thought about their history was fascinating kind of from the current huh. lens. That's really cool. Now, I love uh, reading histories of just small towns and seeing how they, they change over time. I just read um, Seattle and Tacomas and it's, I don't know, it's crazy stuff. I, and my girlfriend and I just listened to the podcast on the gold rush in uh, San Francisco. Cool. So my mind. I love it. Amazing. Uh, moving on though. So <laughs> quick question around, right? Uh, next question. Um, this goes into, it's an opportunity for you to brag a little bit, flex your muscles. Tell us what is your super Superman strength? What are you great at? Man, I'm not Superman at anything. I feel like I'm just dropping balls left and right. My life is like a series of dropping balls. Um, <laughs> so juggling, that's your, that's your Superman strength. Yeah, maybe juggling. No, I think my real strength is um, having a vision and seeing possibilities where other people might not see them. Um, I am good at vision and creativity and kind of conceiving a, a, a future state. I'm not the best executor. I'm not the best implementer. I'm not the best finance guy, 
but I'm kind of good at like getting people bought into the vision and getting the right team around me to actually make it come true. Love it. Love it. Um, moving on. This one is for your younger self. So if you could go back to that Daniel who was watching his dad, you know, work on the mobile home parks, you know, helping him out here and there, go up to him, look him in the eye, shake his hand, give him one piece of advice moving forward. Play to your strengths. I like it. That's it. Play to your strengths. Yep. That is a a good piece of advice. If there ever, ever was, um, moving on. And this is for real estate investing in particular. Um, I mean, the United States is a big place. What area are you excited to invest in today? I would love to be investing in Boise and Salt Lake city. I don't have any deals there yet, but that's where I would like to go. Boise and Salt Lake. All right. Why Salt Lake? You're the first person who said uh, Salt Lake. You ever been to Salt Lake City? Uh, I've driven through it. I haven't been there. You ever worked with uh, members of the Church of Latter-day Saints? I have not, no. I have so much respect for the culture of Utah, the culture of Salt Lake City. Um, that place is growing because business wants to be there because it is business friendly. You have a hardworking, high-integrity pool of people who live there. I am like, I think it's it's great. I love it. Awesome. Sold. I yeah. love it. Uh, and this is the last question. This is for the listeners and the viewers. Um, you know, you've given us a lot of good advice uh, for real estate, for um, mobile home parks in specific. I know there's people out there that want to reach out and say hi. So what's the best way for them to uh, to connect with you? Email me at info at threepillarcommunities.com. Three is spelled out, T-H-R-E-E, pillarcommunities.com. Or you can go to our website, threepillarcommunities.com, and there's a little bar in the upper right to get in touch with us. Perfect. And I will put those links in the show notes. So if you guys click a little more in the description, that'll pop down the full description in there. You'll be able to find those links. Click through, say hi to Daniel, chat a little bit about mobile home parks. Awesome. Well, Daniel, again, thank you for hopping on here. It's a pleasure. This was a ton of fun, Gabe. Thank you. Appreciate it. (laughs) For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason that we do this. So we appreciate having you here. As always, if you have any questions, reach out to us at therealestateinvestingclub.com. Other than that, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic week. Keep rocking real estate, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and were able to pull some actionable advice that you can go home with and apply to your own investing business. Before you go, I have a gift for you. If you're a new investor looking to get started or an established investor looking to take your business to the next level, I've created an ebook just for you available on the website. This ebook will cover how I was able to create both active and passive income in real estate with very little money to start with. In it, I will address the three most often cited obstacles new and veteran investors run into by showing you how to find a deal that's actually a deal, how to finance that deal with little to no money down, and how to exit a deal for maximum value. And if you get the ebook today, I'm going to bury you in bonuses, seven of them to be exact. 
First, you'll get the off-market lead generation blueprint, which will take you through the exact systems and processes we use to generate off-market leads like clockwork, which is the most important skill when it comes to creating real wealth in real estate. Then you'll get the A to Z REI systems and vendors guide, which will allow you to peek under the hood of our business and see the exact tools and systems and even the vendors we use to grow our business. After that, you will get the top 100 best performing keywords pack, which will give you the exact keywords we use to target leads online and generate leads without having to lift a finger. Next, you'll get the contracts bundle for wholesaling and renting real estate, which will give you access to all of the contracts we use in the field to execute all types of transactions. After that, you'll get the investor's quick analysis calculator and offer tool, which will allow you to quickly calculate whether a deal is an actual deal and will allow you to create an offer automatically from those calculations. Next up, we'll give you the Investor's Daily Success Tracker, which is a tracker you can use to ensure you are taking the right actions day in and day out to reach your financial goals in real estate. And finally, you will get the Wholesaler's Template for Quick Assignment Cash, which will give you the templates we use to present our wholesale deals professionally and efficiently to our buyers. I know that is a ton of things to say. I'm glad you were able to stick with it. Uh, so you'll get both the ebook and all of those seven free bonuses when you download the ebook today. All we charge is the admin cost to run the show. So if you are interested in the ebook and the bonus bundle, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com. Click on get the ebook bundle at the top of the page and take advantage of that deal. With that housekeeping item covered, I hope you have an absolutely fantastic day and even better week. Keep rocking real estate, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.